Alyssa. Today's episode of The Podcast is on Fire. And it wasn't my fault. A read-along pod where we dig into the good, the great, and the problematic of the Dresden Files series by Jim Butcher. I'm a long-time Dresden Dresdener who Dresdens. And this is my first time through. Together, we do some Wiccan stuff and bless the water and life is good. I tell you what. How you doing today, Ice? I'm hanging in there. Goodness gracious me. We are starting today on a brand new one. Well, we started it already, but we are recording about it today. Uh, White Knight, the, uh, what is this, the ninth? The ninth book in uh, Resident the Resident Files series, which is crazy. Yes, it we is. are mashing through it. This one was 2007, April 3rd. This book is in Aries. <laughs> How, uh, how'd you find the first six chapters? It looks like we're back at a procedural. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Very much so. It's funny, the novels where it's not really a procedural and it's more kind of serialized story. I mean, they all have their contained but story. there are some that are more like supernaturally and like less cop show. It's the ones where it is more big picture. I want these tight cases and the ones where it's the tight cases, I want the big stuff, which I think just means I'm never going to be happy. I was going to say, you aren't ever going to be happy with anything. The grass is always green, but I digress. Yeah. So we get into it here. You want to catch us up in universe. I mean, obviously we're almost a year. That was shocking to me that it was spring and last novel proven guilty was in the the summer. There's a big plot point there Mm because it kept being too hot. Right. So it's been almost a year. We haven't seen anything on the novel front. I'm sure there's some short stories cutting in, but how. How about you catch us up here, set the scene, and I will break it down unless, you, I guess I should, Marseille, is there anything interesting going on in your world? We have a little chatter. <laughs> nothing too much. Nothing too much. I hear you. How about uh, you? Oh, you know, living the dream. I have been looking into NorwestCon for the convention up here that we're going to get to, hopefully, and have Jim Butcher take a picture with his new dick mark. I'm very excited about <laughs> And I think it was a hundred, hundred bucks, hundred bucks straight up. You can get up here. I'll, I'll cover that. If that makes sense. But yeah, Jim Butcher, the writer, guest of honor. We, we talked about it earlier on the pod, but it's getting closer. Hopefully I don't have a tournament that weekend. March 28th to 31st. I think I'm clear. Let me put that on my calendar. March. Yeah, no, I don't have anything. Early March. Yeah. That's Easter week. Oh no. Well, I'm sure there's a, I'm sure there's a church up here for you to go to. <laughs> Either way, that's the only new and exciting thing on my neck of the woods. Oh, it's supposed to snow this weekend coming up. Oh, so that's about that fun. As well. Actually, we had a tournament this weekend that they canceled in Oregon. So I guess it's going to snow all the way, be freezing all the way down the uh Fun coast. times. I think it's fun and exciting. I don't really have anywhere to go. So <laughs> the people have to be outside is not ideal. But hopefully, actually, I'm in an outdoor pool twice a week. So Ooh. let's Keep it warm on Monday, and then Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, we can have a uh, as chilly as you want here, huh? Nob. Sounds very chilly. All right. We are not super exciting right now. We need to uh, break all of our New Year's resolutions and start having some good storytelling <laughs> Sorry, I had a nasty migraine last night and just still recovering from it. Oh, woof, 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 woof. Yeah. Well, good times. Good times. on that note, I'm going to put you to work. <laughs> Uh, if you can catch us up in universe and I will get us going on chapter. No. All right. So up to this point in time, Harry is a warden. Molly is his apprentice and Murphy has been downgraded 
from lieutenant to sergeant. We learned that at the last, the back end of the last novel, due to her disappearing after one of the SplatterCon exclamation point, exclamation point, exclamation point, rampages by a fetch. Molly is living at home with her parentals and her and the Jawas and is working with Harry to become a uh, reasonable, reasonably trustworthy wizard. And I think that's about where we're at. That will about do it. Okay. Uh, we read the first paragraph or two last week, or we, we's a lot of people. Lissy read it. Um, and as we get into this, you know, the first thing we notice is it's not a normal crime scene. Usually when, by the time Harry gets there, there's corpse, cars, flashing blue lights, yellow and black tape, and members of the press, or at least the promise of the imminent arrival of same. I really love the way that that sentence is. <laughs> I don't think it's, is, it, is that passive? voice i don't know but i really like it. it's flowery i like it but this is none of those things there's one ambulance with no lights there's no police cars people are just hanging out there's a toddler toddling around it's not a normal crime scene which i like already we're on edge we're a little bit off put right things are strange things are afoot at the circle k and yes as we head in murphy's done this before she did this with the werewolves where she just tells harry take a look what do you think um, mm-hmm. the first thing he does though, is do his, where he says, I wasn't doing it out of, he does his, uh, chivalrous deal where he bows and does a thing, a flourish. And he says, I wasn't doing it out of pure contrariness. Yeah, you, were. Uh, either way, uh, he calls her Lieutenant Murphy says he's dazzled by her presence once more. And instead of, you know, having fun with it, she says, Sergeant mm-hmm. open mouth, insert foot. I really like the writing in this chapter. She is reminded right away, or we are all reminded right away of what it costs her to work with Harry. You can't always account for what's going to happen in this magical universe. And obviously as a, you know, as a cop, she's got to roll with the punches, but certainly disappearing for a day because a fairy, a magical fairy put a time warp over the fortress of the evil winter queen. Isn't exactly your standard operating Chicago detective handbook. So we move in here and she says, you know, I mentioned she said this, she's done this before where she doesn't give Harry any information really. She just says, take a look, tell me what you see. And we see his detectiving and we realize that this victim here or the the body, the deceased rather, is a Wiccan, also a witch. He corrects Murphy when she thinks those are the same thing. Witches have power. Wiccan is kind of the Religion. Religious. There you go. Religious side of it. But she has a shrine, you know, a little mini temple deal in an altar in her home. And something is up. Everything's very clean. There's no hair. There's no nails, right? She takes care of, she knows what can happen if people get her body parts or DNA. And one thing is out of place. It is a knife, a ceremonial blade here. And it's pointed, the wand, sorry. No, yeah, the knife. Sorry, I thought there were two things pointing when I'm going back through this here. It, the knife is, is pointed very clearly not where it rests. It's pointed at Janine's body, Janine the victim. And he heads out, he follows the point of the blade and he passes Janine and he goes all the way to the wall and there's some magical hoodoo. There's a very faint trace of energy left over there. So he has to go out to the car and get basically a, a tackle box, which I love. 
um, he's a lot more organized now because he has to work with. He has to be. (laughs) Exactly. It would be dangerous not to be. And so he gets some copper filings. But it's actually really cool progression Mm -hmm. and a good in-universe reason for it, because this is not something he would do on his own. No, not at all. Um, But because he needs supplies to work with Molly, he has them here in basically a a toolbox, basically. Um, And he gets some copper filings out and he does some what's it and lets the copper go and they drift over and they attach themselves to the energy, the latent energy that was left there. And it spells out Exodus 2218. This Lumina Magnus is a new spell we haven't seen before. It's a cool one though. Oh yeah, I do dig it. I like every time we see a new one. They're kind of plot needed. Light, right? What is Magnus? Uh, Magnus is big. Let's see, Great. There we go. So great light. That makes sense. Yeah, I dig it. Um, and, you know, Murphy, obviously it's a Bible verse, but she doesn't know that one, Exodus 22, 18, and he does. He says it's one Good that's, reason. <laughs> it's one that's stuck in his head. Suffer not a witch to live. Dun, dun, dun. European championship. Hmm? You're up. I know. Oh. Murder then, Murphy said. I grunted. Looks like. And the killer wanted you to know it. A cop like a couldn't have idea. found this. Huh? Seems like a bad idea. To taunt Harry fucking yes, into chasing you. Yes, but they tend to see, do that all the time. We'll see how it works out. And so what are we looking at here? Some kind of religious wacko, Salem witch trials aficionado, the Inquisitor reborn, and he uses magic to leave a message? Wackos can be hypocrites. Amen, Murphy. And, you know, she asks how the how it could have gotten there. Could a practitioner have done it or did it have to be a practitioner? And it sounds like they just used the blessed water from her cup that was on her... Uh, altar there and he says think of it as holy water it's imbued with positive energy the same way holy i thought magic was just all about energy and math and equations and things like electricity or thermodynamics not everyone thinks that the victim was a wiccan a witch she was also a witch not every wiccan has the innate strength to be a practitioner for most of them there's actually very little actual power involved in their rituals and ceremonies then why do them and he quotes the line from the marriage mass and he says every face has faith has its ceremonies mirth this was about a conflict of religion then it's sort of difficult for sincere religions to conflict with other religions so sorry it's sort of difficult for sincere wiccans to conflict with other religions wicca itself is really fluid there are some basic tenets that 99 percent of all wiccans follow but at its core the faith is all about individual freedom i feel like that's going to be really important because i mean why t- tell us so much about Wiccan if the whole thing is about being individualized and individual freedoms? And Murphy says, Murphy, who is more or less Catholic. I love that. Seems to me that Christianity has a few things to say about forgiveness and tolerance and treating others the way you'd like to be treated. Aha. Uh-huh. Then came the Crusades, the Inquisition, which is my point. Regardless what I think about Islam or Wicca or any religion, the fact is it's a group of people. Every faith has its ceremonies, and since it's made up of people, every faith also has its assholes. I say this all the time. I like individual people. I hate people as a group because there are so many assholes. <laughs> and, you know, he, he, her, you know, she makes a good point. And Harry says, KKK quotes a lot of scripture. So do a lot of reactionary religious, religious organizations. A lot of times they take it out of context like this. I don't know. Suffer not a witch to live seems fairly clear, out of context, but clear. Keep in mind, 
that this appears in the same book of the Bible that approves the death sentence for a child who curses his parents, owners of oxen who injure someone through the owner's negligence, anybody who works or kindles a fire on Sunday, and anyone who has sex with an animal. Also keep in mind that the original text was written thousands of years ago. In Hebrew, the actual word that they use in that verse describes someone who casts spells that do harm to others. There was a distinction in that culture between harmful and beneficial magic. I love how Harry turns into a little biblical concordance here. He talks about how when the King James Version came out, because he hated witches, he had a hang up on witches, so he changed the harmful caster spells to witch. And Matt Murphy says something interesting. You get you get arguments from all kinds of people that the Bible has got to be perfect, that God would not permit such errors to be made in the Holy Word. I thought God gave everyone free will, which presumable, which presumably, and evidently, includes the freedom to be incorrect when translating one language into another. Stop making me think. I'm believing over here. See. This is why I'm not religious. I couldn't possibly keep my mouth shut long enough to get along with everyone else. I thought it was because you'd never respect any religion that would have you. That too. <laughs> and a comfortable silence fell and the floorboards creaked. Maybe, and Murphy says, maybe it's someone on a holy mission. And Harry says, it's too soon to make assumptions. What made you call me? That altar, the inconsistencies about the victim. No one is going to buy magic writing on the wall as evidence. I know. She's going down as a suicide, which means the ball is in my court. And then we learn that Murphy's going to take a couple days off, but as long as she's at work, this is a suicide. She said, that isn't something I could share with you the way someone like Butters might. With no warning whatsoever, Murphy moved, spinning a blur of motion that swept her leg out in a scything ankle height arc behind her. There was a thump of impact and the sound of something heavy hitting the floor. Murphy, her eyes closed, sprang into something unseen— and her hands moved in a couple of small, quick circles, fingers grasping. Then Murphy grunted, set her arms, and twisted her shoulders a little. There was a young woman's high-pitched underneath Murphy. There was a girl. Murphy had her pinned on her stomach on the floor, one arm twisted behind her, wrist bent at a painful angle. As soon as I saw this, as soon as I read this, I was like, mm, Molly. And it's Molly. I love how he says, like, you know... The floor was settling, how old houses tend to. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, and no, I didn't think it was her at all. Even reading it this time, I kind of forgot. Oh, as soon as Murphy went into mo motion, I was like, eh, it's Molly. But I also love how Murphy did this all, not seeing, but knowing something was there. That's mm -hmm. how good her self-defense skills are and all that. It's pretty amazing. I was really impressed with, with Murphy at this point. Yeah, she's incredibly calm. It's very, very much so. And he says, you know, he told Molly to wait in the apartment and practice on focus. And Molly, being a teenage girl, is, it's impossible and boring as hell. Practice makes perfect, perfect, kid. I've been practicing my ass off. I know 50 times as much as I did last year. And if you keep it up, keep up the pace for another six or seven years, you might, you might be ready to get Go it alone. Until then, you're the apprentice. I'm the teacher. You do what I tell you. But I can help you. Not from a jail cell. You're trespassing on a crime scene, Murphy told her. Oh, please. <laughs> In case it slipped by, Molly has authority issues. It was probably the worst thing she could have said. So Murphy pulls her cuffs out and, and says, you have the right to remain silent. If you choose to give up that right... Chanting it with the steady pace of ritual, anything you say can and will be used against you in a court of law. 
And then Harry says, yeah, it's your first, first offense as an adult. Doubt you get do more than what, Murph? And Murphy says 30 to 60 days. Then there, see? No big deal. See you in a month or three. Oh, beat someone, someone up on the first day. Supposed to save you a lot of trouble. And Harry says, or you might apologize. And she apologizes to Harry. Not me, kid. It isn't my crime scene. And Murphy questions her. You weren't wearing gloves, your shoes, you touched something. And which means that if this is a murder, a full forensic sweep would pick up your fingerprints, the imprint of your shoes, and as brittle as your hairdo is, possibly genetic traces if any of it broke off. Since you aren't one of the investigating officers or police consultants, that evidence would place you at the scene of the crime and implicate you in a murder investigation. But you just said it would be called a suit. Even if it is, you don't know proper procedure the way Harry does. And your presence here might contaminate the scene and obscure evidence of actual killer, making the murder even more difficult to find before he strikes again. That's why there are laws about civilians and crime scenes. This isn't a game, Miss Carpenter. Mistakes, mistakes here could cost lives. Do you understand me? Kind of took the wind out of Molly's sails. With good reason. Oh, but I have the hiccups. And Molly, her shoulders sag and she apologizes. Apologies won't give life back to the dead, Molly. You still haven't learned to consider consequences. And you can't afford that. Not anymore. I trust this will never happen again. No, ma'am. She means, well, she just wanted to help. Don't we all? Um, Sergeant, how did you know I was there? Floorboards creaking when no one was standing on them, I said. You're deodorant, Murphy said. Your tongue stud clicked against your teeth once, I said. I felt some air move in it a few minutes ago, Murphy said. Didn't feel like a draft. Oh. <laughs> but we didn't see you, did we, Murph? Not even a little. A little humiliation and ego deflation goes now and then is good for apprentices. Mine sighed miserably. While well, you're here now, might as well tag along. As they walk out, both med techs blinked and stared, at, stared as Molly followed me out of the apartment. Molly Murphy came out behind us and waved them to carry the body out. To see a friend of mine. You like polka? <laughs> and I just have to say that where's the coroner? Even if it's a suicide, the coroner would be involved. Where's the coroner? Why is it just a couple of med techs? Just saying. You know, Chicago's very busy, okay? Uh-huh. <clears throat> <laughs> on to the next. So we head out to the Forensic Institute over on West Harrison Street, which we saw in great detail during the events of Dead Beat when Gravain was raising security guard Phil to create all sorts of mayhem. So the first time Harry's been back there and you know, Butters actually mentions it later that he doesn't like going to you know certain places because of, of that as well. So definitely something that hangs over. It's something you don't really think about. I, I just love how he's worked that into the story, right? Because it makes sense. Like there, there are real life issues here. He's obviously going to see Butters. Everybody's favorite medical examiner. He's, he's up there. He's all right. <laughs> he mentions, you know, as I just kind of touched on that, it's one of those places that shows up a lot in his nightmares. Yeah, I just, I, this novel so far, okay. absolutely. This novel so far is just like so well written. Like you, I mean, he's a good writer, obviously he yeah. does good stuff, but it's like something about the way just his craft, he's getting better at his craft and we're seeing it here. And I really, I really like that. He had Molly ditch her facial jewelry and she's got a Cubs hat on this Cubs hat. We see every so often. All right. Pop up. He's got his heavy dust, his duster on, which is, is weird to have him not have it last novel. Uh, I think it was just to get Thomas to wear it. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, everything's setting things up, but there's a guard there. You know, he checks him in there and we hear a steady oompa oompa back from Butters is 
exam room. He has polka blasting as always, and some weird Al Yankovic version of Bohemian Rhapsody. <laughs> he does the customary wizards coming in here, so I got to shut down my computer deal. And you know, Molly recognizes again. You can see she's starting to figure stuff out too, right? She asks, she sees that he's turned off the computer, and she says, "You've worked with him before." To do, he describes him as not much taller than Murphy, with less muscle. Everyone doesn't have to be a specimen. <laughs> he had been helping Harry with his therapy on his hand. I was like, do a little chatting about that as we get into this. And basically, you know, the, after the pleasantries, we get into the brass tacks here. And he is not in nearly as much trouble all the time as Murphy anymore. So he is okay to talk about the cases. They, they're deceased, not victims. He clarifies because officially they are still suicides, right? But we see something's up. And I like, again, that Butters has been around long enough to not know what is up, but something, right? That the description he gives is, you ever see something out of the corner of your eye, but then you look, there's nothing there, or at least doesn't look like what you thought it was. Same thing. Most of these shows, classic, obvious suicides. They're just a few little details wrong. You know, you ever see something out of the corner of your eye, but when you look at it, there's nothing there, or at least it doesn't look like what you thought it was. Same thing here. Most of these folks show classic, obvious suicides. They're just a few little details wrong, you know? That one, Pauline Muscovitz, 39, mother of two, husband, two dogs, disappears on a Friday night, opens up her wrists in a hotel bathtub around 3 a.m. Harry looks, she's on antidepressants, but she'd never shown any suicidal tendencies. However, pretty darn tough to uh, slit your wrist with a slit wrist. Mm-hmm. So clearly there is something, something suspicious here, something sus. However, it's not really enough to make these into murders. I feel like that should be enough to at least make it. I don't know what the what the what the next level is before homicide, but like suspicious, suspicious death. There you go. I actually talked about this case to one of my friends. I went and got we took her dog to the dog park yesterday and I was like, oh, my goodness. And she's like, I told her the circumstance. She's like, that's not a suicide. I said, Exactly. <laughs> it bothered me so much that even the chief bothered me immensely. He flips through. There's a couple of victims here. Another hotel room. She washed down 30 Valium with a bottle of drains. Not sound. You take 30 Valium, just knock out. You know, they butters, you know, has thoughts again, more of these just inconsistencies, right? Like most suicides are at home, which is true. We had, Oh, what was the woman? The first woman, the, the first victim had dinner cooking, marinating, marinating, excuse me, preparing. Maybe she's doing a ceviche marinating is the cooking. Janine, that's her name. Janine, there you go. Janine had had dinner marinating. You know, these people went and bought rented a hotel room to do the deal. The two, the two knives, the two slit Which wrists. Which does right? happen, but the hotel suicide. The hotel suicide, but it's very specific circumstances. Yeah, but she has kids. I actually would buy that, right? Like, yes, to some, yes, that would that one would make a few a little bit more sense. But and the, and the thing about having like food marinating, things like that, that's not always true. People do talk about planning things and then commit suicide. So, yeah, I mean, I've had I worked with a lot of kids in decades coaching and the it's incongruous, right? Like a kid with some self-harm and but he was worried about getting kicked off the water pole team. It's like mm-hmm. you're when you're at this point, your brain isn't functioning the way it's not no. firing on all cylinders. Right. No, so there, there would be some it wouldn't be strange to have some incongruity there. Incongruousness. Correct. Incongruity. Incongruity is a word. There you go. I do love this paragraph, which I'm not a wizard, but corpses are inherently icky, where Harry doesn't want to deal with the corpses. <laughs> and we saw Harry do this something similar to this spell last novel. 
at Arctis Torn, where he got kind of an impression mm-hmm. from one of the, was it a troll? I think it was an ogre. One of the ogres that was defending Arctis Tor. He got kind of the last impression. And you can see Butters has progressed, even though we haven't interacted with him for a while, because he doesn't say, that's impossible. He says, that's for real. Right? <laughs> so he's still <laughs> skeptical, but, yeah. but he's not doubting it anymore, right? He's, he's interested in learning a man of science, as we see. He is still, he has consumed the Kool-Aid, but he's not serving it yet. Ooh, I like that phrasing. Maybe I'm just tired and all phrasing sounds good, but I'm loving it. I'm loving the <laughs> wordplay today. Hey. They have a the same, similar conversation that we get on Harry all the time. And, and it is an interesting way to deal with a, a Superman problem, right? Where if, if everything, he's so powerful, he can destroy everything. There's no real stakes, right? Mm-hmm. So he is as, about as powerful. He he's got, can, can throw a punch, a magical punch as hard as anybody, basically. But he can't do delicate stuff. He can't. Mm-hmm. He he struggles with his control. He's a he's a bruiser, magically speaking. He, he likes to you know mention, say things like that all the time, and so he struggles with his delicate magic, which I really like. Again, just we've seen this throughout, where they put little caps on his power level. Well, it's also he's imperfect, mm-hmm. which is you know it, it's a more accessible character. It's it it adds more uh, dimension to the the risks that get get, get that get placed. It, it, there's so many things that an imperfect character add to a story. Yeah, it's so much more interesting. Very much so. Again, I, I, bring, I keep bringing up Superman because that's just a the textbook example, right? A that's a that perfect just, example, though, too. Yeah, it's just it is perfect. <laughs> that's why Batman's more interesting because he's a psychopath. <laughs> but no, I think that's a really good point of reference for this story, where it's he's he's not he's not a Superman because, like you said, that's boring. Well, the real reason is because Jim Butcher likes to torture us. And if he, well, that too. And if he was perfect, he wouldn't be able to be beaten up and laid Destroyed. low. So, but we appreciate it. No matter what the reasoning is, we end up in a good place. And he describes Speak Molly's- Speak for yourself. I'm just kidding. That's, you know, I, I'm in, in excited for the next few novels here to see. I already know what's coming and it still hurts. You know, the, the hurt, <laughs> hurty things hurt and the happy things make me happy. So it's, it's interesting. It's going to be fun to watch. Uh, am I going to be angry again? <laughs> nothing, nothing bad ever happens. Yeah. It's a great first Buffy reference in at least a week in our weekly podcast. <laughs> we're at the end of an episode. I think it's lie to me is the episode and just you know, real life things happen. And Buffy's like, you know, sad and everything. She's growing up. She's, and she says, uh, does it ever get easy? And Giles says, you mean life? Yeah. Does it get easy? What do you want me to say? Lie to me. Yes, it's terribly simple. The good guys are always stalwart and true. The bad guys are easily distinguished by their pointy horns or black hats. And uh, we always defeat them and save the day. No one ever dies. Everybody lives happily ever after. Liar. That's just, I like that. That's wonderful. You made me think of that. So uh, Molly is good at the delicate, but she's not nearly as powerful as Harry. She can play Spanish guitar, whereas he can just do power chords and rock out, which depending on your mood can be what you need. She's going to do the subtle magic here. And Harry mentions, or almost mentions, the White Council here and her foibles. And he bites his tongue because he doesn't want people to prejudge her. And I like, I like that. I mean, obviously, he does it in the clumsiest, hairiest way ever by halfway saying it and then just not talking. But I do like that he's looking out. For, obviously, she's his apprentice and stuff. But he's looking out for her in kind of mundane ways as well, right? Like protecting her reputation around people she'll be working with. I, I just... Mm-hmm. Again, little subtle things that, you know, empathy and, and doing the right thing. Harry Dresden lives doing the right thing. 
Butters lets it pass because he's also a good human being. And we get Molly on last essence duty here. And she has an interesting experience. (laughs) It was not the brutal violence that Harry saw when he looked at the ogre. She's having a a gay old time. She's having adult fun times. And basically Molly has an orgasm in the exam room place here. And they both deal with this in exactly the way that you'd expect them to. As yes, the, the uh, two of them, especially. Uh, the two of them. <laughs> Harry says, she, um, she got something. <laughs> oh, and they have a sex conversation. Butters makes sure that she's legal. So he feels less dirty. <laughs> less Nabokovian, which is a good reference to Lolita. They give her a few minutes to calm down. And, uh, she comes back down to earth and she obviously this woman died in the throes of sexual ecstasy, which may or may not point us in the direction of characters we've thought about before. Mm-hmm. And she realizes there's a very specific sensation that she was feeling. And it's one of those medical pinwheel deals. <laughs> and this one, I actually do like the inner, the exchange mm-hmm. where Harry says, oh, right. How the hell do you know what one of those feels like? And Molly says, this is one of those things you don't want me to explain. Uh, <laughs> funny. And then she rolls out the pinwheel and they follow, They basically trace with a marker and it spells out EX2218. Exodus again. And ladies and gentlemen. And we're back. We have a serial killer. So they're heading, they're in the blue beetle driving And Molly is just kind of in a little basking in the afterglow moment. And he says, Molly, heroin feels good too, asked Rosie and Nelson. It killed her, she finally said. It killed her. I mean, it felt so good, but it wasn't. She never knew it. She never had a chance. It was a vampire, right? From the white court, I mean. They use sex to feed on life energy, right? That's one of the things it could be. There are plenty of demonic creatures in the never-never that groove on the succubus routine, though. And she was killed in a hotel where there was no threshold to protect her from a demon. Very good, Grasshopper. Once you consider that the other victims weren't done white court style, it means that either there is more than one killer or the same one is varying his techniques. It's too early for anything but wild guesses. What are you going to do next? I've got to figure out what I've got to figure out what all of the killer's victims have in common, if anything. Their death? Besides that. So he says he's gonna go through the papers that Butters gave him. And kind of look for people and ask questions and what do I do? She asks. That depends. How many beads can you move? She's got this bracelet of beads that Harry created as kind of a focusing tool. And he talks about how important focus is and the pra- how, how important it is that she practices. If she couldn't get a more solid head on her shoulders, her talent with magic was going to get her killed. Probably taking me with her. Mar- Molly was a warlock. She'd used magic to tinker with the minds of two friends in an effort to free them from drug addiction, but her motives had been mixed, and the results were moderately horrific. Normally, the White Council of Wizards kill you for breaking one of the laws of magic. Practically the only time they didn't was when a wizard of the council offered to take responsibility for the warlock's future conduct. Until then, they could satisfy the council that their intentions were good, their ways mended. If they could, fine. If not, the warlock died. So did the wizard who had taken responsibility for him. I've been a warlock. Hell, plenty of the council was wondering if I was still a ticking time bomb, ready to explode. When Molly had been bound and hooded and dragged before the council for trial, I stepped in. I had to. 
talks about how sometimes he regretted the decision and she's just so young and dumb. But that's the unspoken part. And, you know, she's trying to balance self-discipline and living with her family. Teaching her to throw a gout to fire at a target really wasn't that difficult. The hard part was teaching her why to do it, why not to do it, and when she should and should not do it. Molly saw magic as the best solution to any given problem. It wasn't, and she had to learn that. And, you know, she can only get four, four beads out of the 13 moved. And he said, not bad, but you aren't ready yet. Keep working. It's about focus, stillness, and clarity. What does that mean? That you have more work to do. You aren't explaining it very well, maybe. Or maybe you aren't learning it very well. And then she apologizes for putting up the veil and tells him that she didn't mean to disrespect him. And he said, I've been where you are. I don't expect you to be perfect all the time, kid. And, you know, he, he says, what happened today, it worked out. I don't know if I could have read anything at all from that victim the way you did today. What you found might be a big help. You did good. She practically glowed. Once or twice after a compliment, she literally glowed. But we'd gotten that under control within a month or so. I love that. So she ran into the house and he said, that left me there alone with pages and pages of dead women. I wanted to know more about them almost as much as I wanted to shove my manly parts into a radioactive wood chipper. And he decided that he gonna do it with a drink. So he heads to Mac's pub and he describes the location and, you know, explains the according to ground part. And it's a busy place when he gets there. And he always sits with his back to the wall. There were only two tables open. And he took the one that was furthest away from everyone else. And he goes to the bar and orders a drink. He sets down a 20, or he drinks one, sets down a 20 with the empty and says, keep him coming. Mac let out a grunt of surprise and his eyebrows went up. Don't ask. He folded his arms and nodded. Keys. I glared at him for a second, but I was, ha- was, was half hearted. I tossed the keys to the Blue Beetle onto the bar. Mac gave me another beer, and I went to the table, drinking on the way. So Harry continues to drink and continues to go through the paperwork. And he said, I read the words, but there was an odd sense of blankness inside. I read them. I understood them. But they somehow didn't seem relevant, vanishing like pebbles dropped in a well. There was a little ripple, then nothing. I thought I recognized two of the victims, though not by name. I'd probably seen them around, maybe even there at McAnally's. I didn't recognize the others, but it wasn't like I knew every face in the community. And he drinks a few more beers, looks up, and Mac is standing there, and the place is almost entirely empty. And he says, I use up my 20. He nodded. He got another 20 out, put it on the table. He said, I know, I don't usually drink this much. And he waved at the papers. I hate seeing women get hurt. I should hate seeing anyone get hurt, but it's worse with women or kids. And then he tells Mac to grab a beer and sit down with him. And he said, where'd everybody go? Away. Away. Away from me, you mean. They're scared. Why? Gray cloak. And his, he talks about, you know, how he'd been a warden and how, despite his checkered past, he's a warden. But a lot of these people, they only associate wardens with when someone has screwed up and they're going to try, convict, and execute them. Wardens were scary, even to someone like me, who was more or less in their weight class. For the minor talents, like most of the crowd at Max, the wardens occupied a position somewhere between Avenging Angel and Boogeyman. Apparently, they had begun to see me in the latter role, which was going to be a problem in my hunt for the Exodus-quoting killer. The victims were probably members of the supernatural community, but a lot of Wiccans can be ticklish about talking about their beliefs, 
or identifying their fellow believers as members of the faith. Part of it is basic respect for personal freedom and privacy endemic to the faith. Part of it is a kind of theological heredity caution. Both of those factors were going to make it hard to get anyone to talk to me. And he says, you know, there's no reason for me to be afraid. These women are officially suicides. I mean, if Murphy's instincts hadn't picked up on something, we wouldn't even know there was a killer on the loose. And he says that he tells Mac that they're linked. There's a connection between them that the police files don't show. But the magic folks know it. That's why they're scared. Mac frowns at his beer and looks over at the neutral neutral ground sign by the door. I know you don't want to get involved, but someone out there is killing women. They're leaving calling cards for me specifically. Whoever is doing it until I find them. And then Mac asks, is it you? Harry says, it it took me a minute to get my head around that one. He's spent a lot of time helping people. And and he knows that dealing with some of the stuff he's dealt with, and it doesn't necessarily make everybody not fear him. It's not me, I said quietly. Needed to hear that. Sure. I don't know who is behind it, but I give you my word that when I when I catch up to whoever it is, I'm going to take him down regardless of who he is or who he works for. My word, Mac. Help me, Mac, please. And on the back of one of the papers, Mac writes, Anna Ash, Ordo Lebes, 4 p.m. tomorrow. What's this? A start. That for our, our humble hero. Mm-hmm. Mac is not really a friend per se, but like you would count them as a friend. You know, you're the, the bar, the bar that you're a regular at and like your normal bartender, like uh-huh. you're not like buddies, but you're friends. Yeah. You're <laughs> like, I would your, call them your acquaintances. Yeah. But like to an extent where if they had to ask you if you were a serial killer, <laughs> it sucks. Ugh. Seriously. Pobre Jerito. I love this. Ex- like Harry and Murphy, when they're not talking about feelings, they're just great. We're not talking about feelings or chivalry. I do love their their back and forth with this Ordo Lebes. He refers to himself as a master of arcane lore. Yeah. And decides that they're the Lebes means large cooking pot. So they're the order of the large cooking pot. Or maybe, I love I love Murphy's response. Or maybe order of the cauldron, since it sounds much less silly and has a more witchy connotation and all. Well, I suppose. <laughs> Mentions his correspondence Latin course, which is a source of strife and humor throughout the series definitely they argue about who who should have driven because um, <laughs> they're both control freaks absolutely for most things i really don't think i am but like on a pool deck or around water polo mm-hmm. like to down to like colors of shirts and shit i'm like a psychopath <laughs> uh, this is harry and murphy's wheelhouse this is this 100%. is their forte here so it makes sense but i do love that they're snipping at each other I think he drives a beetle is so unrealistic, but also just a great vi- image. Yeah. One of the things that the uh, TV show did changed was he drives a Jeep. Oh, that's I stupid. Mean, I mean, he's supposed to be like 6'8", six, 6'10". Six, like, yeah. He can't fit into a, a, a bus. He might be able to. It's a magical beetle. It is a magical beetle. That's fair. It's like a clown car. Murphy wouldn't let him. She wouldn't find the address for him unless she drove. So she definitely is the one in- with the control issue more so, I feel like, but they're tete-a-tete here. It's just just good fun. And they go to the apartment building where one Anna Ash was presumably hosting a, a meeting of the Order of the Large Cooking Pot. <coughs> Murphy parked on the street, which automatically makes it a good thing that she drove because Harry always talks about having to park far away or expensively. Harry's impatient because he doesn't do stakeouts. Uh, he has to uh, do you patience. Could just, you, you could have left out the second part. <laughs> 
Fair enough. Fair enough. I mean, in this case, he's that's just what impatient. About, but he is very impatient. Fair. And they're, they're hanging out for, you know, near enough an hour and they watch a bunch of women go in. He recognizes a couple of them. And I do like the where she's ready to go in and he says, give it, give it another five minutes. No other force in the known universe can make a gang of folks naming their organization <laughs> in Latin do anything on time. I love that so much. I agree. I may actually cut that out of this part. We'll see. To fill in time and really just to give us a narrative update, she asks about the war between the vampires and the wizards, really just to remind us that it's on, I think, more than anything. But also, they mentioned, they talk about New Mexico, which was this spring, it's still spring, so this must be a very fresh wound for him, where he was out helping train wardens, and a couple of ghouls in the employ of the Red Court showed up and killed two children. Baby wardens, but also just children. Yeah. She gives him an opportunity to talk about it, and he doesn't at this Shockingly. point. He's usually so good at talking about his feelings. <laughs> but again, the Merlin is just still trying to negotiate a piece and keep it moving slow, which, again, I mean, I don't get the Merlin. I mean, I'm not super clever, and I haven't read all of Sun Tzu or anything like that, but I don't get the warden's, as or the, the Merlin, rather's hesitancy. Obviously, you don't want to go, you know, toe-to-toe with someone more powerful than you, but they're not doing a whole lot, it yeah. seems. And maybe that's just because Harry's not aware. It still feels like they're not doing much. Yeah, he would at least, like, Ebenezer would keep, just to keep him from freaking out, he would tell him a little bit, right? Yeah. Give him some breadcrumbs here. So, not ideal. But I do wonder, you know, he's obviously a master politician. We've kind of seen that. That's You don't okay. run the organization. He's a bad maybe, guy. He's certainly not a Harry fan. He's, he's an antagonist, for sure. But the Red King is still in power. Is it was his idea to begin the war. I'm not sure that's the case because it was Harry who actually lit the fuse. But I guess they're saying that the Red King was just waiting for a moment, probably, which is fair. They're going to get their numbers up and come back for the sequel. And Murphy, God love her, kill them all. Let God sort them out. Mm-hmm. The last person to arrive for the meeting of the large cauldron, large, large cooking pot, large cooking pot, excuse me, exclamation point, exclamation point, exclamation point, <laughs> is someone we've seen before. Last time she was naked with a gun in each hand, Helen Beckett. She was involved with the sorcerer from way back in Stormfront, Victor Sells. She and her husband were involved in the ritual sex orgy stuff to empower the potions as a way to get back at Marcone, who had, do we know why yet? I don't remember. Oh, well, she wants to get back at Marcone is, uh. I feel like we do her daughter her daughter was killed in the crossfire uh that's that. right that's right we do know that by now okay yeah it's, i don't want to like spoil but uh yeah i want to make sure we're, we're caught up so yeah so her daughter was killed in a crossfire she blames marcone and marcone seems to blame marcone but she was trying there she and her husband were trying to get back at them back at him by kind of cutting out the legs from his drug empire didn't work out she did a nickel upstate and as she walks in I do love that line that, what was that? The plot, Dickon. <laughs> right. And Murphy says, I don't like this. Helen Beckett has got plenty of reasons to dislike you. Who doesn't? <laughs> I appreciate that. And they hop in the elevator, which is impressive, but the elevator's working. Uh, it doesn't work when we need it to not work. Exactly. It's always a plot point. But he's also just pretty chill. It's not like he's stressed out or freaking out or anything. So, that's fair. Yeah. you know, he has explained that, you know, like all... Like when he was talking about going into the ICU where it's only if he's freaking out. But anyway, so she already shot at you 
and that didn't work. Maybe she figured it was time to get nasty. Sticks and stones and small caliber bullets may break my bones. Words will never, etc. It's awfully coincidental to find her here, Harry. She's a con, and she wound up in jail because of you. I can't imagine that she's making nice with the local magic community for camaraderie. I didn't think cops knew about big words like camaraderie, mur camaraderie Murph. Are you sure you're a real police person? Do you ever stop joking around? I mutter off-color limericks in my sleep. Just promise me that you'll watch your back. There was once a girl from Nantucket. Her mouth was as big as a bucket. Murphy flipped both, palm, both her hands, palms up in a gesture of frustrated surrender. Damn it, Dresden. You seem worried about me. There are women up there, and you don't always think clearly where women are concerned. <laughs> so you think I should watch my back? Yes. Golly, Murph, why do you think I wanted you to come along? I figured you wanted someone along who would notice things more subtle than a flashing neon sign. Oh, come on. It doesn't have to be flashing. <laughs> <laughs> so they walked down the hallway towards Anna Ash's apartment, and he feels a ward. And she said, like on your apartment, it's not as strong, and it's a little cruder. I've got bricks and razor wire. This is more like aluminum siding and chicken wire, but it has a decent kick. Fire, I think. Huh. I don't think there's enough to kill outright, but it sure would hurt like hell. And a fire would set off the building's alarms, making people start running out, summon the authorities. Discouraging your average prowler, supernatural or not. It's not meant to kill. Go ahead and knock. That's a joke, right? If this ward isn't done right, it could react to my aura and go off. Can't you just take it apart? Whoever did this was worried enough to invest a lot of time and effort to make this home safer. Kind of rude to tear it up. And you'll scare them if you just walk through it like it wasn't there. Yeah. They're frightened, Murph. I've got to be gentle or they won't give me anything that can help them. So she knocks on the door and this little cherubic woman answers the door, carrying a small dog. Of course, Sergeant Murphy, I know who you are. Maybe half a second after the woman started Murphy and I'm a detective with CPD. Oh, I'm sorry. Of course we all know who you are, Dres Mr. Dresden. Oh, I forgot again. Excuse me. I'm Abby. Pleased to meet you, Abby. Hey, little dog. Toto. Exactly, a classic. If it wasn't broken, why fix it? Excuse me. I'll, I'll let our host speak to you. She's just closest. I was just closest to the door. Certainly. Weird. At least the dog liked me. She knew what we were going to say before we said it, Harry. I noticed that. Is she telepathic or something? Not in the way you're thinking. She doesn't exactly hide what she's doing. And if she was poking around in people's heads, the council would have done something about a, a long time ago. Then how did she know what we were about to say? My guess is that she's prescient. She can see the future. Probably only a second or two, and she probably doesn't have a lot of voluntary control over it. Could be handy. In some ways. But the future isn't written in stone. Like, what if I decided to tell her my name was Karen Murphy instead of Sergeant at the last second? Yeah, she'd have been wrong. People like her can sense a sort of cloud of possible futures. We were in a fairly predictable situation here, even without bringing any magical talents into it. Basic social interaction. So it looked like she saw exactly what was coming. But she didn't. She got to judge what was most probable, and it wasn't hard to guess correctly in this particular instance. That's why she seemed so distracted. Yeah, she was keeping track of what was happening and what was likely to happen, deciding what wasn't likely to happen all in a window of a few seconds. It's a lot worse if they could see any further than a second or two. And he talks about how he compares it to, to chess and, you know, those sort of probability odds. And the chess game, there are four more, far more possibilities in the real world. The biggest game. It's a dangerous talent to have. It can leave you subject to inst in instabilities of one kind or another as side effects. 
And it goes on to talk about how doctors always diagnose it with epilepsy or Alzheimer's or a number of personality disorders. And he says, I've got five bucks. I say that medical alert bracelet on her wrist says she's epileptic and that the dog can send seizures coming and warning her. I didn't see the bracelet. No bet. So the door opens and another woman is standing there. She's in her late 30s, five foot four, possibly Native American. And she says in a quiet, firm voice, no one here has broken any of the laws, warden. Gosh, that's a relief. Anna Ash, she not narrowed her eyes and nodded. I'm Harry Dresden. Are you kidding? I know who you are. I don't make it a habit to assume that anyone I meet knows who I am. And this is Karen Murphy, Chicago PD. May I see your identification, Miss Murphy? So she hands it to her. What do you want? To talk. About what? The order, Ordo Libes. And what's happened to several practitioners lately? Her voice remained polite on the surface, but I could hear bitter undertones. I am sure you know much more about it than us. Not especially. That's what I'm trying to correct. I'm not an idiot. The wardens keep track of everything. Everyone knows that. Yeah, but I forgot to take my George Orwell-shaped multivitamins along with my breakfast bowl of Big Brother O's this morning. I was hoping you could just talk to me for a while the way you would with a human being. Why should I? Because I want to help you. Of course you'd say that. How do I know you mean it? Miss Ash, he's on the level. We're here to help if we can. Appearances can be deceiving. I have no way of knowing if you are who and what you say you are. I prefer to err on the side of caution. Never hurts to be cautious. You're edging towards, but you're edging towards paranoid, Miss Ash. This is my home and I'm not inviting you inside. Groovy. And I stepped over the threshold into the apartment, nudging her gently aside before she could close the door. And he talks about feeling how his magic is left at the door. And we already learned about this, that the home's owner had not invited him in, so he has to leave the majority of his power outside. And Seuss so is there. If I was of the spirit world, I couldn't cross your threshold. And if I'd planned on hurting someone in here, would I have disarmed myself? Stars and stones, would I have shown up with a cop to witness me doing it? <laughs> I, how, how did you know the ward wouldn't go off in your face? Judgment call. You're a cautious person, but there are kids in this building, and I don't think you'd have slapped up something that went boom whenever anyone stepped through your doorway. You wouldn't have liked what had happened if you tried to force the door open, though. I believe you. Miss Ash, I'm not here to threaten or harm anyone. I can't make you talk to me if you don't want to. If you want me to go, right now, I'll go. But for your own safety, please let me talk to you first. A few minutes, that's all I ask. And she says, you will not, I trust you will not take it amiss if I do not make a round of introductions. Then he doesn't know everybody's names, which is fine. And he said, should I take it that you know who I am? They know, Anna said. All right, here's what I know. Something's killing off female practitioners. And he goes in to kind of give the rundown. And he says he's found messages <laughs> that many have vanished. More than 20 people are unaccounted for. I let out a low whistle. That was serious. Don't get me wrong. People vanish all the time. Most of them because they want to do it. But the people in our circles were generally a lot closer knit than most folks, in part because they were aware, to one degree or another, of the existence of supernatural predators who could and would take them given the chance. It's a herd instinct, plain and simple, and it works. If 20 people had gone missing, odds were that something was on the prowl. And so they ask what he asks what they've seen. All three victims from within the order whose bodies have been found, they were last seen alive in the company of a tall man in a gray cloak. And none of them can say it wasn't him. It was after dark. They were far away. And Sally, 
left the bar with a rather lovely dark-haired man with gray eyes and pale skin. At least two more reliable witnesses have reported that the last time they saw some of the folk who had disappeared, they were in the company of the gray-cloaked man. Several others have supported sightings of the beautiful dark-haired man instead. And so, it's a little sketch. And tall men aren't exactly unheard of in a city of 8 million either. Who was it then? I'm pretty sure it wasn't Murphy. This isn't a joking matter. Oh, well, that's a really sorry. good joke. Given that I only found out about a gray cloak sighting about two seconds ago, I had assumed the question was facetious. It wasn't me, and it wasn't a warden of the council, or at least a damn well better not have been a warden of a council. And if it was, I'll make sure he never hurts anyone again, ever. Excuse me. You said that three members of the order had died. What are their names, please? Maria, Janine, Pauline. What about Jessica Blanche? I don't think I've heard the name. So she's not in the order, and she's not in the, uh, community? Not to my knowledge. And no one in the room knows her. And Harry says to Murphy, Some of these things are not like the others. Some of these things are kind of the same, she responded. Somewhere to start, at least. Someone's watch started beeping, and the girl on the couch beside Priscilla sat up suddenly. She was young, maybe even still in her teens, with the rich smoke-colored skin of the regions of eastern India. She had heavy little brown eyes and wore a bandana tied over her straight, glossy black hair. She was dressed in a lavender black ballet leotard with cream-colored tights covering long legs, and she had the muscled, athletic build of a serious dancer. She wore a man's watch that looked huge against her fine-boned wrist. She turned it off and then glanced up at Anna, fidgeting. Ten minutes. Is there anything we can do for you, Warden? Miss Murphy. In the investigation business, when someone starts trying to rush you out in order to conceal some kind of information from you, it's what we call professionals call a clue. Gee, what happens in ten minutes? We have answered your questions as best we could. You gave me your ward, Warden, to abide by my hospitality, not to abuse it. Answering me might be for your own good. That's your opinion. In my opinion, it is no business of yours. So he hands her a business card and says if you change your mind they leave and head down the hallway and murphy says you think they know anything else they know something or they think they do it was a rhetorical question harry bite me what's her next move dig into jessica blanche's background see what we turn up easier than searching chicago for guys in big gray cloaks but maybe not easier than finding pale beautiful dark glass person to be seen with ecstasy it isn't him. He's my brother. Sure, yeah. I mean, I haven't talked to him for a while, and he's on his own now, making really good money doing something, but I don't know what, because he will never say. Yes. And I guess it's true that he's awfully well-fed these days, and that he won't tell me how. And he thinks of himself as a monster, and then he got sick and tired of trying to be human. Shit. As they're walking walk to the car, Harry's power is building up inside him, and he's just frustrated and angry, and Rather than release the energy and make it blast, he touches the sidewalk to release the en harmless energy harmlessly into the earth. The instant I released the excess energy into the area around us, a nearby slot light blew out. Murphy's cell phone started blaring stars and stripes forever. Three car alarms went off, and Murphy's Saturn coupe went up in a brilliant ball of fire and an ear-shattering blast of thunder. Rutro. Um, that is definitely an interesting. Yeah twist there towards the end here which i like is it this chapter where harry was like having trouble with his anger well at the end here yeah okay that's what made the car, car bomb go off all right so we are 
into it. Now we've got mm-hmm. explosions. We've got dead dead bodies, dead. explosions, angry witches, serial killers, friends betraying friends, and an ex-con just trying to make her way in the world. Being pushed around by a bully cop. <laughs> what you think so far i like it it's good Mm -hmm. a lot of buildup yeah it hits the ground running like not like crazy action or anything like that but it's just like like i said the story's (laughs) great the writing's great harry and murphy's interactions are great um just really starting to be they've been great so far but for some reason i wasn't expecting the quality of writing at least maybe i'm just I don't know. Maybe I'm I'm projecting or something, but I feel like the <laughs> quality and like the wordplay is just really good in this, and I really mm-hmm. like it. But yeah, um, right anything jo- it's good. Yeah, and I really liked. They said that that one line that was so dumb, but like the members of the press, or at least the promise of imminent arrival of sane. <laughs> For some reason, I like that turn of phrase. But yeah, do you have thoughts on the the crime scene or the suspicious home of the what did, what did Butters call her? Call them not victims; they're deceased. Deceased. The home of the deceased. I think it's cool, and it's interesting that it's the the only person that could see it is Harry. He also recognized that there was something that Harry only Harry could see. I also yeah, liked. and Harry never would have seen it without Murphy, right? So they clearly right like Harry would never have shown up here on his own. Correct. So they definitely it's not just targeting Harry, and I think that's something that they don't they haven't mentioned or recognized, right? Like mm-hmm. very clearly, Murphy was part of the plan. Because she had to bring Dresden in to find this stuff. I think that's interesting. Well, but, and, uh, and, but she also has, she's a good investigator and she has great insight as well. Oh, yeah. But what I mean is that the perpetrators were relying on her figuring yes, out Yes, most well, definitely. Which is, they, Harry did, and Murphy didn't mention that. They just talked about it being targeted at Harry. But very clearly, like, there's another piece of the puzzle here. Yeah. Molly is immature and dumb, which is new and exciting. <laughs> right. Any, any thoughts on that? The uh, the bracelet, the control, her. It's none of it's a surprise. <laughs> yeah. Like I said, it's, it's been almost a year. You, you'd think she would be slightly less petulant at this point, start to figure it out. But maybe she was kind of demure and she's starting to get back more comfortable with herself. Murphy barely recognized her, which is interesting. I'm pink and blue anymore. Well, yeah, but that means that either Harry doesn't bring her around or he's not around as much, which we know because... We actually made yeah. a mistake last week. We we talked about Rollins being put in charge of SI. It wasn't Rollins. It was Stalling. Stalling. Yeah. Which is her old partner from way back. But, um, and that was, it props here. That was from Brandon. Friend of the program, Brandon. We appreciate you um, catching us in our It'd mistakes. be way better if it were Rollins, though. I agree. I also thought it was funny that you and me make the same exact. I know. Our brains work very similarly. <laughs> oh. Good thing is when one of us dies, the other one's just going to keep doing the podcast and it, right. no one will notice. No one will notice. Except my accents will be a little bit worse. So I got to go first. <laughs> oh, goodness gracious. I did love that she literally glowed when he gave yes. her compliments, which was yes. funny. The funny stuff with magic. I, we, can have, we can have funny magic. What do you think about the, the case so far? Do you have any thoughts on it? I think it's fascinating. You know, I don't know if Thomas is a red herring, but I don't feel like the, I don't feel like the, the witch stuff is really in thomas's wheelhouse suffer not a witch to live but i really do i like the story i like where we're going with it i i still think it's a bad idea to intentionally call out the two supernatural investigators with any level of success 
publicly. There's video of them solving supernatural crime. Yeah. Um, <laughs> what the fuck are you doing here? Clearly, I mean, I'm, I imagine that uh, Harry's going to win the day. I don't want to spoiler anything. I mean, he right. But seems like you're asking for trouble here. Hey, you know. <laughs> they were clever. They wouldn't be bad guys. Generally speaking. At least over here. I, I did love the uh, Lieutenant Murphy sergeant. You know, the re- yeah. it reminds us, the audience, but also it's been almost a year. Maybe this is why she doesn't call you on your birthday. <laughs> Eight months. Something like That's that, right. Right? You said it was spring, right? I do like how icked out he is by corpses. Uh, we, we saw Butters again. Always good to see um, my favorite coroner. That was a burn. Uh-huh. Boom. Roasted. What do you think of that scene at all? Anything jump out at you? Uh, I actually, no, let me, let me actually have one more thing about that. That first scene. Oh yeah. Sorry. Just flipped over my note card. Oh, I also Harry have... describes the Miranda warnings as a ritual. Uh-huh. So it kind of equates M- Murphy's being a cop to Harry's being a wizard with all of the ritual. Okay. Ah, he also mentioned so the ritual of the um, weddings as well. Yes. So she's a cop a cop wizard and a Catholic wizard. <laughs> and I just thought that was kind of cool. But in regards to the butter scene. Actually, I want to talk one more sec about that. Okay. What you just brought up. Um, I'm going to make a second Buffy reference. Anya talking about Thanksgiving as a ritual sacrifice mm-hmm. with pie. We, I, I, I like it. that he mentions that. Like it's ritual. It's these things that we do to make us feel comfortable because this is how it's done. These are the things we do, right? It is interesting to put it, couch it in those terms, right? And then the discussion about Exodus 20, was it 2218, 2318? Page again. Exodus 2218. There's a guy I've been devouring all his content content on uh, TikTok that I recommend to everyone, believer or non. Um, He's a, I believe he's LDS, um, but he's a Christian, Mm self-proclaimed Christian, but he also is a scholar of the Bible and biblical history or that time era history, I guess. And he can, you know, read and translate uh, ancient Hebrew and ancient Greek and Aramaic. And so he, as a TikTok page, is basically devoted to explaining the actual translations and context of biblical stuff. Yeah. And it, it's he's not trying to disprove the Bible. What he's trying to do is disprove the patriarchal, the structure, like, you know, that uses biblical texts like this as a weapon. Um, and it's a really interesting, not for everybody, and I, but I recommend you check it out. Dan McClellan is his name, and he's does it in such a great, like, easy to digest way. He li- he lists his sources. He explains where he's at. There are plenty of people, all, all, obviously, that disagree with his take of it. But I, as a non-theist, I love it. But also, I, I, I mean, I know, like I said, he's he's a believer, and a lot of people in his comments are also Christians, and it kind of not deconstructing their faith, but deconstructing the structure around the context and actual text of the Bible, which is really, as a history major, I love it. It's really intriguing, but I digress. But just that uh, conversation with Harry and Murphy, is that's the kind of content you get yeah. on his, his page. And it really is uh, out, just outstanding the way he, he describes it. Like, to go back to the book, I love that Harry has that knowledge base. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, where it's, you know, he's not just, oh, I hate religion. It's, okay, this is why I don't like organized religion. Let me list chapter and verse the hypocrisy and the historical hypocrisy. And I love that. It's, 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 you know, I think it was misattributed. You see it as Gandhi a lot, but I, 
I like your Christ. I don't like your Christians, you know, um, as a philo- as a philosopher, a bronze age philosopher, I'm a huge fan of, I'm just not sure the party tricks, but I, people follow along. He has some good ideas. Douglas Adams talks about how 2000 years ago, they nailed a man to a tree for telling people to be nice to each other or something. <laughs> oh, goodness gracious. Um, so yeah, so that was it. Just wanted to plug that TikTok. is he deserves all the money and, and views. What do you think about the butter scene? I, I appreciate it. And I agree with butters that it's not a suicide. Like I said, I talked to one of my, my coworkers. I was like, all right, let me give you this ridiculousness. <laughs> and no self-respecting medical examiner would say Occam's razor in regards to that. Not at all. Unless she, one of her hands was re- part of a reanimated corpse. She couldn't cut her other wrist through the tendons. Just saying. Because he specified the tendons. The tendons are what allow you to grab to be able to slice that deep. So, say teeth? Is that you not can, possible? I don't think you can do that with your teeth, though. And Harry said, what about two box cutters? And Butter said there was only one in the tub with her. So, somebody yeah, I, mean, I think we've established just based on the knife and stuff that it isn't. Yeah, oh, 100%. But, but I'm, I wonder if this is, is Brioche a bad guy or is he just inept? covering? It, inept, I just mean like kind of what Murphy's job is to just make stuff make sense. But that's... It isn't that really isn't supernatural even, yet. Yeah, but that's right. not even supernatural. That's just bad. You know, that's just that's just bad. Not doing his job. Yeah. That's He's that's, yeah, exactly. That's just ignoring obvious facts and sweeping it under the rubs. Oh, it comes razor. No, that's bullshit. That's one of the ones where if I were out on that scene, I'd be like, we need to call the, the homicide detectives because this is not right. <laughs> yeah, no, that's a sketch. Super sketch. Oh, they're busy. But come on, man. Get <laughs> your shit together, Brioche. Right. You know Brioche's first name? I want to know Brioche's first name. Uh, I think he gave it to us, but I don't remember. No. Like, oh. oh, my God. Dr. Brioche and Waldo Butters. Mm-hmm. Butter. Oh, that's funny. That's hilarious. I did notice Brioche was bread, and I was like, that's kind of funny. Oh, goodness. There are some good Easter eggs. What was that last thing you said? I did notice Brioche was about bread. Was bread. Oh, yeah. In the same I, spelling. I didn't think of bread and butter. Um, there. That's hilarious, though. We could probably chat about the... Uh, molly magic in a minute it is cool to see that type of magic come back after they kind of sowed the seeds for it last novel though which would be super useful as a investigator of murders to get the last kind of the last click of the murder so hopefully we get to see more of that very handy but i also love that molly's useful you know like he's he's letting her feel useful and she is actually very it is very useful she saw solves but she certainly finds the next clue which is the same as the last clue but yeah she connects she connects them at least she helps connect the dots absolutely certainly not what we were anticipating i do like harry was like preparing her for like she's very empathetic so she's preparing yeah. her for like pain and suffering and she ends up having a le petite mort which is an interesting subversion there certainly looks like it's an incubus and we do know an incubus with access to a gray cloak but anything else on that the Forensic Institute. I do love how he made Harry help him move the body and how Harry was like just pretending it was a bag of groceries. <laughs> this is like when you and I have conversations about things. Mm-hmm. Like 100%. How... 100%. <laughs> Very similar energy to just how the fuck? How? How is this happening? How are you okay with this? Oh, goodness gracious. The scene at Max is, like I said, it's sad for Harry. See, he hasn't made as much progress as he maybe, and we maybe thought, as far as being a uh, friendly, non-terrifying guy. The sign 
at the bar is one of those ever-changing things that doesn't matter, but I point out every time. Mm. It says neutral ground here, whereas in Deadbeat, it said accorded neutral territory. Yes. Um, maybe he's got two signs, one on each side of it, but it does change names back and forth. It is accorded neutral territory and accorded neutral ground, so either way. But yeah, I, I mean, I do buy that Mac could think it might be him. Like, I don't buy that. I think Mac felt the need to just make sure. Like, Mac needed to hear from his mouth that it wasn't him. And he, I mean, that's what he said. I don't think Mac really believed it either. No, I don't. But I think it was something he just needed to hear it. One thing I wanted to call attention to, like I said, the, like, the skill as an author here is really cool. But that section where he's talking to Mac is Harry says something. And then there's a one line that says Mac did X. Mac verb. Harry talks. Mac verb. Harry talks. Mac verb. Harry talks. Mac verb. And just like the way it, like, how they both work through things. Yeah. It's just so like, how does that, like, it's fucking brilliant. Honestly, this novel is like so far, at least so well crafted. I agree. Um, I agree completely. But, like, remember we talked in Stormfront about how, like when he goes like short sentences to like change the pace, it definitely change, change the pace, but change the, uh, like the theme, the feeling that I like the background, like mm-hmm. the, uh, tension and stuff. And this is not bad, but this is like characterization yeah, it's it's true character. It's great characterization, but through sentence structure, which is amazing. It's fucking crazy, right? Like, how brilliant is that? I mean, it's, I really like that. That's one of my favorite things of this. Talk, I appreciate that, like, it a lot. I didn't catch it until the second time through mm-hmm. that. It was like, Mac did this. Da, 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 da. Mac did this. Da, 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 da. Just like, I've, I loved it. I love it. No, um, definitely. And now talking through it, I agree. That kind of reinforces that he was just working through it. Yeah. I, I don't love that he said needed to hear it, but. But I mean, but sometimes where it's just like, they're not like, like you, you said, they aren't the best of friends, but you know, he knows Harry, but he also doesn't know him as well as say Murphy knows him. So he just needed that reiteration that, okay, I'm right. I'm right. It's not you. I think Mac knows his birthday. I have. I'm never going to let that go. Never. You kill me. Oh, yeah. And he does turn around real quickly and then give him yeah. a potential next victim, right? So yeah, he, he definitely does believe him at his word. I just, you know, I don't know. Mac definitely. is not one to like dance around feelings, I guess. Not at all. Um, he was just very upfront about What'd you think it? of the order? Of the... Oh my God, I loved that. Where Murphy's like, or maybe the, the order, order of the, of the cauldron? <laughs> oh, abs- absolutely not. Oh my, we should get shirts. There you go. There's our cosplay. Order the large cooking pot. Order the large cooking pot. Yes, please. Um, Master of the arcane. I, I love their relationship. Like we talked about last time. When they're not, will they, won't they? They're mm-hmm. just such, they work so well together and they bounce so well off of each other. And their like relationship is just so great. I love it. Yeah. And, and it's, it's real well written. It's also been established. And I like that. Yeah, this is eight plus novels worth of yeah. them growing as friends. Really does pay off. His line that he he knows, like, the interior of the Volkswagen Beetle is smaller than hers, but he knows where it all is. Yeah. Just really. <laughs> if you think about it, because you were saying this, that like, oh, you know, he wouldn't fit in a VW. But if you think about it, a VW bug has less interior stuff than a Saturn does, especially because the inside of it's been, you know, the fungus demon or whatever it was that cleared it all out. You're not going to have the plastic of the walls you're not going to wear with the cup holders and things like that you're not going to have a a center console you're not going to have all of the like molded footboards and everything 
So like there would be more physical space. And he does also know where everything is. And the, the roof does go up. And like, I'm actually wondering, I, I do wonder actually I about the things, actual, but... the actual volume of space. If it is bigger in her little. Than her Saturn coupe. Yeah. Aaron, our sister drove a. Uh, I drove a Saturn. That was a neon. You had a Saturn. I had a Saturn. She had a Saturn yeah. SUV, but. Yeah. I was thinking, I was, in my mind, I was picturing the Dodge Neon with the cute, mm. cute face. Yeah, no, I had my little blue Saturn. R.I.P. It's, it's in a better place now. <laughs> the whole brand is. It's funny. I've had a lot of blue cars because mm-hmm. I had the Saturn and I had a blue Hyundai and then my lease went up and I got the exact same color. <laughs> Though the Beamer, the old Beamer I had was black. Probe was white. Probe was white. And my <laughs> Civic was green. So. Three out of five, three out of six cars I've driven in my life were blue. <laughs> I was one of the guys I, I game with, honest. Great dude. He um, remarked that all of the other guys we play with, they have white cars or white trucks or white cars, whatever. It's like a weird, and he like remarked that he's from Oregon. I know it's called Oregon. He's from mm-hmm. Oregon. That it's like a weird California thing, that white cars. And like when I started looking around, like there are so many white cars, like just on the block that mom lives on and stuff. Like mm-hmm. it is a weird thing. So what weird California thing that we don't reckon we don't notice probably. But I digress. The uh I have never driven a white car. Cause I was supposed to get the probe until somebody destroyed it. Who could that have destroy been? it? It was had a million miles on it. Oh my god, you know what? The Mercedes was the 78 Mercedes was blue too. Sorry, it just popped in my head. The one I got 20 bucks for when I uh, did the cash for cars. Oh, that's awesome. Oh, yeah. 20 bucks. (laughs) I got like 60 or something for my uh, Volkswagen one time. Was that for the Mercedes? That might have been. I drove a 1986 300E. Yes. Mine was a 78 300D. She was a beast. Oh, that baby could fly. Oh, yeah. She leaked in the rain, though. And I had her at college during that the El Nino year. And so I would go to the, every, uh, every time it would rain, I'd go to the gas station and vacuum the water out of the backseat. <laughs> she was great, though. She had trouble with her uh, alternator. And one of my friends, he's a car guy. And one time we got, she wouldn't start when we were in downtown Santa Barbara. And uh, he f- messed with her and got, we got her started. <laughs> yeah. And he's who I bought the Beamer from. And Peter? Ian. Oh, Ian. Jenny's husband. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Peter was dad's shady used car salesman guy that he was the only, only person alive who trusted that man. Right. When I get rich, the first billion's the, the hardest. When I get rich, actually, never. Every billion, every billionaire is a policy failure. Yes. When I get rich, though, I'm buying a 1986 yellow 300E Mercedes and getting that thing in Souped tip-top up. shape. I think that's that was wonderful. such a great car. It had, like, electric seat moving and things. And, like, I, would, I worked at a bar in my early 20s up in LA and when you know some weekends I would go down to San Diego to Carlsbad to uh do family stuff and if I left right at you know 3:30 there's no one on the road obviously and I could absolutely just open that baby up oh man not super safe by any means but definitely fun that baby could fly and it felt like you're going 60 you're going 110 <laughs> it's like oh shit I would look down and see 100 I was like oh my bad bad oh, oh old nostalgia cars ah uh, yes <laughs> where, I don't even remember where we were at. What, what? We're talking about the car. What book Saturn. Are reading? Ah, the Saturn. That's where that topic of conversation went. Oh, of course, of course. The stakeout, just a fun. Yeah, right. Terribly entertaining. I love Harry... that. What time is it? Well, five minutes ago, it was three o'clock. 
He's not the most patient fellow. He does say that he's seen a, a woman at Bach ordered books a few times. I wonder mm-hmm. if he's repaired that relationship and can go back there or that's just from years ago. Remember Probably Bach, from years ago. Bach 86 him. Obviously, Helen Beckett is a big deal. Like I said, the war, the war comment seemed very out of place. That just seemed like an expo dump. Yeah. You know, obviously, we're going to need that moving forward because it is still serialized, but not really in place. I did like the... uh kind of breadcrumb hinting at new mexico Mm -hmm. obviously kids being attacked by monsters is not something harry yet again does well with for sure and then uh the plot thickens with helen i uh kind of was half joking about it but i actually don't like how much of a bully murphy is in particular to her like she doesn't trust her of course and i'm not saying she has to trust her but she went to jail she 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 did her time presumably because she's out not really sure why we have to go out accusing people of things. I know recidivism and stuff, but that's more a problem of policing and justice than anything else. Yeah, it's kind of propaganda. Like, I, I don't I don't love that. Like, Beckett should have a chance to, to live her life. I know it doesn't matter in this. It's just one of those little things that, like, slips by us in pop culture that, like, we just treat former convict, you know, convicted. Part of that she shot Harry. I think there's a bit more of a personal. Is fair. On that one, you know? Is fair. No, you're right. I, I just, like I say, it's like a deep cultural thing that like every former criminal is a bad guy forever. And it's just like, some of them are. <laughs> and our <laughs> our jail system does not do a great job rehabilitating all the time. But I, I don't love that she jumps, you know, almost stares at her when says, or she, you know, like, certainly we can have our suspicions, but like, you have no reason to suspect her right now. Like zero. There's True, nothing connecting but, her to any of this. I mean- if someone shot you, wouldn't you be a little suspicious about them? If someone had shot me, wouldn't you be a little suspicious of them? <laughs> sure, but I, I wouldn't convi- like accuse them of being a serial killer. But I also do. I think part of it, too, though, is that the entire room is full of women. All of these practitioners are women. Oh, sure. But that's not. I mean, at least in Harry's mind, she was talking about Beckett. Yeah, 100 percent. That's where my mind went as well. That's fair. Maybe he doesn't really read people very well. So maybe Murphy was just saying. Could be anybody in this room. That's fair. There you go. Defending her again. Sorry. I was just thinking, yeah, she was kind of like saying it was, it could be a woman. It could very well be a woman. Before I read it, the second half of that quote, the part where where Harry says she, you know, she didn't look at Helen. I actually thought she was just being like, like telling Harry like, hey, women can commit crimes too, dickhead. That that was my, my first reaction. And then Harry read it differently than I. So who knows? It's interesting. Abby, that's kind of a fun new power we haven't seen before. Yes, I kind of dig that too. And just sort of like, she just seems like, hey, what's up? Hey, no, I know you're Murphy, da, 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 you know, but, and just kind of rolls through. But that also made me think about the gatekeeper. Mm. Maybe he's prescient, but just on a different level. Okay. So Cer- certainly he was forewarned about things, or at least very quickly post-warned. This is one of the first times we see Harry referred to as Warden, capital W. Yes. And he mentioned it with in Ma- at Max as well. And actually, there was a line that I wanted to go back to. I forgot where at Max, he says, like, even someone in the warden's weight class like me, like, no, no you're not in their weight class. You are them. <laughs> he still doesn't really think of himself. Yeah, no, he doesn't. That way, which is funny. He doesn't self-identify. But this is I, to my mind, this is the first time out, anyone outside of the council has referred to him as warden capital W. I could yeah. be wrong on that. But like, and it's not a. It's not an honorific here. It's a like, I mean, it is, but it's, I feel it's a like title. It's like, it's like a fuck you, like yeah. warden. 
fucking narc. Exactly. Um, it's like, what's his face? Oh, when Green called her lieutenant. Like, it wasn't yeah. to be, you know, Respect- it wasn't out of deference. It was straight up just to be a dick. Using it as a weapon. Using their title as a weapon. Exactly. The conversation, again, like, we see Harry be, like, just generally polite and empathetic all the time. And I, I love those little moments where he doesn't tear down her wards. He doesn't go right through, right? Like, he actually recognizes, unlike with the Merlin, he recognizes that, like, communicating and taking your time and, like, building up a rapport is important. And I did like to see that kind of maturity. And I, the, the Merlin in particular, Harry is incapable of thinking calmly around. But just the juxtaposition of this and that scene we saw last week is striking, right? Yeah. Him recognizing that people around you have feelings and are important. <laughs> right. We bet in partent. So they like Mac, though, suspect Harry. What do you make of that? I mean, it makes sense. Mm-hmm. A tall dude in a gray cloak. They don't know him. They don't know him personally. They, the I guy mean, that did thought it could have been him. For heaven's sake. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And the thing, too, is like, if you think about it, they're all practitioners. So say they were doing something that the, these other people didn't know about. You know, the rest of the people in their coven didn't know about, you know, and the warden is taking them away and they're turning up dead. And it's like, okay, well, were they doing something bad or were the wardens, you know, is the warden punishing them for something? So it's a lot of that would very much be questionable. You know, I would very much. uh, The warden presence in Chicago also. So the, the, you know, he does mention you don't have to be. Is it corduroy? I didn't think of it as corduroy. But the uh, warden's cloak, all gray cloaks aren't warden cloaks. No. But, but all work I mean, cloaks are gray. But who else wears a cloak? Certainly, certainly only spooky people, right? Come right. On. There's a there's a very specific range of people that wear cloaks. Also, this is like the 714th time I've read this. And today mm-hmm. I caught that it's Anna, not Anna. Why would it be Anna versus Anna? Yeah. Why? She says she pronounced it. She pronounced her name with the old world emphasis, Anna. Oh, with the old world emphasis. Okay, I didn't I didn't understand what a- that was. So. A H hyphen N A H. I just never never connected. I, I blame James Marsters. Uh, <laughs> but uh we see again, we've seen this before, swearing on your power. Yes. Which is a very like that's a uh like pinky swear. Yeah. <laughs> it's you know, you can if you break a promise like that, I do like the I'm gonna compare it to Harry Potter, the unbreakable vow mm-hmm. where like you die if you break that i do like that this is just like you, know, you just lose a little bit of your power but if it adds up over time right it yes. has a real a real negative but it's it's a manageable one that like i imagine we can see harry breaking these every so often and just right and to not deal with it you know not totally yeah no definitely um but yeah it's good to see that kind of consistent lore um yeah it, very suspicious um you know and and we see that these are like low level practitioners, right? So mm-hmm. they don't have the ability to protect themselves that Harry or even a Molly do, right? They yeah. can't just pop a veil and, and go hide. Like they're just in the open with this little tingle. And so you see them sticking together with their uh, large cooking pot and uh, mm-hmm. each other, but certainly not ideal. We know it's, although the one thing I didn't like is that they think it's Harry. And then they talk about a, a good looking man. Harry's a lot of things, but he's like, Never described as good looking. But the good looking man they're describing is Thomas or the Thomas possibility. But just that's interesting that there's a. They don't call him a good looking man. It's the other man. But isn't he wearing the gray cloak? No, it's the other pale with gray eyes. Oh, other side. Okay, I apologize. Yeah, so the the two perps here, 
or a possible Thomas and a possible Harry. <laughs> yeah. So that is definitely, but again, we've seen that they're targeting Harry and Murphy. Yes. In particular. So perhaps someone else as well. And we learned that one of the four victims, not the deceased officially, was not in the order mm-hmm. of the large cooking pot. So Jessica Blanche, that was the sexy time. Yes. But that, that case is still connected. Oh, absolutely. And what that does is it gives us something else to investigate and mm-hmm. another lead to chase down. Most so definitely. The plot continues to spin. The world turns. And we get an interesting 10-minute warning. Mm-hmm before they shuffle out our heroes. And then, I don't know, seven, eight, nine minutes later, (laughs) we have an explosive end to this chunk. See, in my head, I didn't put those together. What I put with the exploding car was with the person trying to run him off the road in the previous novel. Oh, okay. I put that along those same lines. Just someone's trying to get him. But would an explosive be a good way to get, like, the the car was incompetent, an explosion, like... Wizard's not going to get close to that thing. Well, I guess you're right. You mentioned it earlier, but that is because he was so angry, mm-hmm. which we've seen Harry have a bit of a temper, but it's more like snark and like for bullies. This is weird, right? Like his inability to control his anger. We've never really seen that. It but I think different. it's a combination of anger and worry and distress because it, there is a distinct possibility that his brother could be killing people. I don't think it's just anger. Okay. No, that makes sense. And like even see that they like Murphy danced around that topic as well. Right. Where she said, oh, shit. God damn it. Both of my books cut out the end of chapter six. That's so weird. I downloaded another one specifically to avoid this because I knew one of them. <laughs> did. Um, God damn it. There's a line in there where he says like um, where he she says like you, you do need to investigate this. And he said, yeah, because he knows what's going on in the Incubus Zone. And that's not what she meant, but she didn't press it because. Do you know what I'm talking about? I have t- two digital versions of this and neither of them end the chapter. That's so weird. Can you try to find that real quick? Wait, what, what am I that? trying to find? One more time. So when she says, you got to run down Thomas anyway, and Harry says, because he knows the Incubus stuff. It's right at the end of that chapter six. If not, don't worry about it. I'm looking at for it. It's Murphy dancing around his- uh, Harry, I think you're probably right about it, but there are lives at stake. We have to be sure. That part? Yeah. Yeah. And then he says- A flash of anger went through me. An instant. Because she says, initially says, this is part of what I read, um, it isn't him, but maybe not easier than finding a pale, beautiful, dark-haired man who may or not, may not have been the last person seen with a woman who died in the midst of sexual ecstasy. It wasn't him. He's my brother. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I haven't talked to him in a while. Sure. And he's on his own now, making really good money doing something, though I don't know what, because he will never, ever say. Yes. <laughs> and I guess it's true that he's awfully well-fed these days and that he won't tell me how. And that he thinks of himself as a monster and that he got sick and tired of trying to be human. Shit. Harry, I think you're probably right about him, but we are at, there are lives at stake. We have to be sure. Eh, close enough. But yeah, so basically she, she dances around his anger a little bit. He's feeling this you know, uncontrollable rage that we've never really seen from him before, um, which is interesting. And I just wanted to note. Oh, wait a minute. Do I just not know how to use this book? No. I scowled up a storm on the way and brooded. It never solved any of my problems in the past, but there's always the first time. Um, all right. Um, so yeah, any other, you know, last parting thoughts here as we get to the tail end there? I think it's funny that Murphy's cell phone is, is uh, Stars and Stripes Forever. <laughs> what is that? It's a... Uh, Hummet. <laughs> uh, I don't... I'm going to look it up. Um, I'm sure it's like one of those stripes. It's a standard U.S. military march. 
or it's that's the form of it. Let Marshall note in triumph float and liberty extend its mighty hand. A flag appears mid thunderous cheers, the banner of the Western land, the emblem of the brave and true. It folds protect no tyrant crew, the red and white and starry blue. It's freedom's shield and hope. Sing out for liberty and light. Sing out for freedom and the right. Sing out for union and its might. I buy it. Mm-hmm. Same. <laughs> Again, characterization by a cell phone ringer. Tiny detail. Yeah, I love it. This novel's hit me all, hitting all the right notes so far. It really is. So, um, yeah, I, you know, as far as anything else there to on analysis, nothing I can think of. How about on the yikesy front? Yikes! Um, do you have anything on for yikes? Um, Butters and Harry's response to Molly's reading was a little interesting, but it wasn't horrifically yikes. It was just they were. I love how uncomfortable they both were. Seen that before. I mean, Harry's just so yeah. uncomfortable with sexuality at all. Um, yeah, 100%. I did like that. These are like the two like nerdy mm-hmm. dudes. They're just like, uh, <laughs> uh, definitely, you know, smidge on the yikesy side for sure, but not yeah. like you said, not not really super bad. The one line where he's like, "Is she legal?" Yeah. So I don't feel so dirty. Which is worse, like the imaginary line. I or, think that is a very disgusting imaginary line, but well, do you recall in the like eighties and not or the eighties, the nineties and aughts, like it probably is still a thing now, but they're like counting down to like when Britney Spears and Natalie Portman and Taylor Swift and all that. Oh yeah. Like turn 18 and stuff. It's like just gross. Legal and right. Aren't always the same thing in yeah. both directions. <laughs> yeah. But I digress. Mm-hmm. Um, and she is an adult. She can also, she's entitled to make her own choices and live her life. However, she wants to. So, yes. Um, the world's a funny gray place, I say. Um, beyond that, you got any quotes for us? Do I have any quotes? Silly question, I know. What do you What do you think? Uh, okay. It isn't like I'm all that old or anything, especially for a wizard. But age is always advancing, and I'm fairly sure it's up to no good. <laughs> what are yours, he asked. Finding things, following things, blowing things up, mostly, I said. I'm good at those. Kit. Can confirm that. Or maybe Order of the Cauldron, Murphy suggested, since it sounds so much less silly and has more witchy connotation and all. And Harry, she asked, what was that? The plot, I said. Thickening. That was so good. I love that. Back to his banger uh, chapter enders. Um, They're talking about the corpse, whether it's a murder or not. And Butter says, can't say until I look. Can't say until I look. Do you think it's another murder? I know it is. But I'm the only one until Murphy's <laughs> off the clock. Murphy's a good little soldier until five o'clock. Yep. And she's, then she starts stirring pots, stirring large cooking pot pots. <laughs> I'm a wizard. Sure. But corpses are inherently icky. And even if they aren't animated and trying to kill you. But I tried to pretend we were sliding a heavy load of groceries onto a cart and helped him draw a body resting upon a metal tray and covered in a heavy cloth onto the gurney. I feel you, Harry. Gross. I don't like listening to, I don't like when Lissy talks about her job. Much less <laughs> having to do it. No, thank you. <laughs> and I read this. I think I'm like, maybe I'll go back and do it. Give it another five minutes. No force in the known universe can make a gang of folks naming their organization in Latin do much of anything on time. If they're all there by four, we'll know there's some kind of black magic involved. <laughs> oh, goodness gracious. <laughs> it was an interesting chunk, I'd say, because it, it was good. Great story. Get, get the plot rolling. Yeah, incredibly definitely got well, Incredibly well crafted. I don't. I'm not excited about it yet, right? I don't know how you feel about it. I'm like, curious. Yeah, certainly. Certainly got my got my 
hackles up. I'm wondering what's going to happen here. And then the bomb. Yeah. The bomb was a great way to end it. I love. Oh, yeah. Butcher writes in six chapters, specifically for us in the future. It's it's a cliffhanger episode. It really is great. Um, it's like Lost. Every episode's a cliffhanger episode. Ruin ruin your entire week. <laughs> um, um, did you find it was interesting who we didn't see this week? Thomas. Well, Thomas they were talking about, and he's off doing it in the yeah. shadows. No mention of Lashiel. And Harry didn't didn't That's have any. That's true. You know, it's, again, it's been a, uh, almost a year since we last saw yeah. them. But it is, I just kind of like um, conspicuous in her absence, I feel like. Or maybe not. Not necessarily. Because he doesn't, like, we go chapters at a time without hearing about her. Fair. I just, you think she, it would come up with all these, like, women in the Latin and, and, and Murphy and stuff. I, I would have thought she would have come up. And you, you don't know her as well as I. Um, you just misunderstand her. You think she's a bad. She wants to help. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. all she wants to do is help. Make the world a better place. Stop global global warming, climate fix climate change, and um, you know, take over, damn some souls here and there, whatever. Um, either way, I just thought it was interesting. Maybe conspicuous might be too heavy of a word, but it's interesting um, that he's trying to do some investigating and not using one of his tools. But do you have any talk about here? Week? Out of left field. Best kind. But I feel like the um, serial killer person is a shapeshifter of some sort or someone that can veil their appearance with somebody else's. And they're obviously intentionally making it look like it's Harry and Thomas. Doesn't sound like out of left field. That sounds textual. That's true. The least crackpotty one we've had yet. Um, no, it's definitely something strange is afoot for sure. Yeah, most definitely. All right. Um, I mean, it's early days. You want to take a swing at who might be our... There's no reason to know it. I'm just, I like yeah, uncomfortable, um, difficult things. I don't know. I feel like it might be, it's either got to be like a religious zealot or someone who's making it look like a religious zealot, like someone from the supernatural, because if they're a shapeshifter, they're from supernatural. I mean, maybe it's another one of the denarians, the blackened denarians. If it was religious zealot, though, you know, they mentioned that possibility. Yeah. What, why would they be communicating spookily? Well, but like uh, not necessarily like a Christian religious zealot, you know, like in um, like with uh, in Harry Potter, the muggles like this is someone who shouldn't they don't think they don't believe should be uh, practicing magic because they're not, you know, whatever. But mentioned this already, but what's the Dan Brown, Tom Hanks movie? Uh, the sequels, well, Angels and Demons. That's actually a prequel. The okay. um, Da Vinci Code. Ah, yeah, there we go. Exactly. But so the bad guy in that is a uh, religious zealot who does bad things mm-hmm. to get his end. So there's your description there made me think of that. Um, also, funnily enough, interestingly enough, the bad guys in that movie are Opus Dei, mm-hmm. sect of the Catholic Church. Father Fort Hill's a member of Opus Dei. Interesting. When he said my... The founder of my order. I thought it was a throwaway line, but that might have been Brandon also. Brandon is like, <laughs> uh, was that Brandon? I think it was also Brandon who mentioned Opus Day. Um, but yeah, that that was uh I thought that was very interesting. That why would you so that when Father Fordhill said the founder of my order said something, um, you wouldn't pick that specific sect and use a quote from the founder of that sect mm-hmm. if there wasn't something, right? I feel at least. So I think there's, we're going to get some payoff with, with that at some point later yeah. down the road with Father Fort Hill. Um, but you just made me think of something that made me think of something that made me think of something. <laughs> so there you go. Oh, goodness. <laughs> Jose Maria Escriva, Escriva, founder of Opus Day. There's something holy 
something divine hidden in the most ordinary situation. Hmm. But I mean, it also makes sense. It absolutely fits in the moment. Yeah. But it seems pretty on the nose for, I don't know. I, I don't think Jim Butcher does a whole lot pulling out of his ass. Mm-hmm. It just seems like that's with maybe, maybe, you know, he's planting something that doesn't ever bear fruit. But it seems very interesting to me that, um, especially because it was around the time of uh, Vinci Code as well. Um, I digress. <laughs> um, short of that, I guess we can get out of here and you can rest your brain a little bit. I appreciate that. Um, so, yeah. Um, appreciate you guys. Thank you so much for bearing with us through our holiday foibles. We uh, took a couple weeks of short stories. We took a week off for the actual in between Christmas and New Year's when every day is Sunday. But we are coming at it. It's supposed to snow this weekend. I'm excited about that. Uh, I'm going to be inside the whole time. (laughs) But it'll be cool to know that it had snowed. True. Anything on your docket besides Um, I'm doing uh, Christmas with the uh, Northern California Mosers on Saturday. Yeah. Are they Orthodox now? (laughs) They're all just busy. That's awesome. Very cool. Tell them I said, hey. I will. I, uh, when we went to the alumni stuff at, uh, for Carlsbad high slash water polo Uh club slash high school thing. And uh, there's a family of firefighters. The dad's a firefighter. The mom's a firefighter, water polo player. Mm -hmm. The daughter's a firefighter. The son son was, who's uh, 10 years younger than me, 15 years younger than me. But you know, a guy that like, he's been coaching in the program and like, whatever. Good dude. Like I love the kid. Um, He was doing firefighter training and stuff. And he has an opportunity to like do CPD to go to the dark side. Uh huh. And so like when he was talking, the dad, when he was talking to Aaron and me, he was like, yeah, no, it's still service. And we, you know, we were very proud of him and all this stuff. But to his, to his kid, to Daniel, he just talked shit mercilessly because he couldn't hack it as a firefighter. He's a, he was a policeman. <laughs> like, <you know? laughs> and so his sister uh, told us this and I texted it to uncle Denny. He didn't reply. <laughs> what? Um, should find it real quick. <laughs> Three seconds to find the exact cops and firefighters have in common. What? They all want to be firemen when they grow up. <laughs> that was her talking shit to her brother that's which, which i can buy into well and it, it's a hilarious rivalry because it's um you know they're america's heroes oh uh, did we wake you guys up <laughs> did we take you guys away from your breakfast you know shit like that this is all it's they hilarious. do all day is sit around and lift weights and eat chili oh goodness gracious that is all righty uh well thank you guys so much you can find us at patreon.com slash the podcast was on fire patreon.com slash the podcast was on fire as well as the podcast was on fire at gmail.com the podcast was on fire at gmail.com all right so don't we're doing seven to 12 the, don't put spoilers in the uh subject line yes no don't do that and make sure next week it looks like we're gonna do seven to 12 i'll confirm that right now that's five what that's five seven to 12 is five don't no, stop seven to eight seven eight nine ten 11. okay i can't count don't mind me. We can blame the uh, migraine. Uh, that is absolutely staying in the pod. <laughs> <laughs> I am not a mathologist. <laughs> the last math class I took was my senior year of high school. Oh, Good riddance. I, I had to take statistics for my second graduate degree. And I, that was the class I was the most terrified of. And it actually all made sense because it's logic math. And like I got an A in it, but it was just like, I understand this. Why do I understand this? So I can do statistics, but I can't do basic <laughs> adding and counting. So I am really, really good at arithmetic. Really, not mm-hmm. like I'm fucking proud of myself for being a, the best fourth grader around. But like I can just like crush 
arithmetic and I was, I would Mm -hmm. get straight A's every class until they started putting words. And when there were words in it, I struggled and I started getting B's. And when I got, so I stopped doing (laughs) either way. Um, Subtraction. Yes. Reading words and making numbers happen. I don't understand it. So I did history. History at least doesn't make sense in a way that I understand because people are idiots. And on that note, (laughs) I appreciate you guys. Hit us up. Again, don't put spoilers in the subject line, please, just because Lissy also gets um, nosy. She gets up. I get the alerts. But um, no no spoilers in the subject line. But besides that, guys, um, Facebook Messenger is pretty much all me. So if you want to spoiler thought, question, correction, corrections and retractions, uh, we'd appreciate that as well. But thank you guys so much. Um, Looking forward to it. I said we're we're going to Northwest Con the end of March. If anybody's around and going to that, I just want to see Jim Butcher in real life. I don't believe he's a human. <laughs> Throw some holy water on him, see what happens. Um, Will he but yeah, so that's the plan. And um, yeah, me and Lissy are hoping to get out to that. That's the game plan anyway. I'm gonna order us some stuff. And um, life is very good. We appreciate you guys. Happy New Year. Make 2024 the one. And um, yeah. Any parting thoughts there, Lice? No, happy new year. And uh, this has been a blast. I've been having so much fun with this. Absolutely. Even when her brain is, a, is firing randomly. Maybe not that, but every other time. We appreciate you for toughing it out, Liz. You're the real MVP. I have been Josh. And I am Alyssa. Podcast on fire. So like my ex-girlfriend is a certified genius. She's a, she's a genius. PhD, like very, very clever gal. Um, she couldn't do subtraction, like really? subtraction in her head. Just like, she just couldn't make it work. She's like fucking brilliant. <laughs> like, like one of the smartest people I will ever meet. I mean, clearly her taste in men has something to be. Oh, hush. Desired. But, but I would like lord over her, our subtraction. Whenever we needed to subtract things, like, I got this, honey. It's like, it, was like, <laughs> it was like opening up the pickle jar. It was so good. Uh, That's hilarious. My piece of the pie. Oh, goodness gracious.